This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Red Earth, a one-trunk theater production presented by the Theater Projects Manitoba at Prairie Theater Exchange. You can get tickets at brownpapertickets.ca. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. Hello, this is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I'm here with my long-suffering co-host and producer, Dan. Hello. And Justin is late. His coffee's getting... He's not late. His coffee's getting cold. We technically started a bit early. His oat milk is cooling. <laughs> and uh, we started a bit right early. Now. But we've got, I've got things to do today, so we're going to just get this. We're going we're gonna to be I've, here for you, people. I have a defective coffee cup lid. I just spilled coffee on myself. It's you bent, have a drinking problem? Is that what you're saying? I have a drinking problem. It tastes delicious, but... It just spilled. It's fine. So I brought something for you. Okay, what is it? Which you haven't seen yet. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Red Earth. This is the book. This is the... Can I look at it? You can look. Of course you can look at it. Is it a spoiler to look at this before the show? Maybe a bit of a spoiler. No, it's not. Well, kind of. But the books arrived. They are printed. They exist. They are wonderful. I love the cover stock. The colors turned out so great. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I got back from Calgary the day before yesterday, and we... I immediately went to work uh, back at uh, the theater to go through final run-throughs. They've been doing final rehearsals and doing cue to cue, which is like setting up the sound lights um, and all the cueing related to our animations. And this our is films. incredible. This book is really, really cool. So for the dear listener who doesn't know what we're talking about, we've talked about Red Earth in previous episodes, but Red Earth, the book, is an epistolary novel about um, a... Uh, colonizing adventure on Mars, but it's really, or it begins that way. It starts as a, it starts as a technical manual. It turns into a journal, and then it becomes a letter. And I'm a big fan of epistolary novels. I'm a big fan of graphic novels, and I thought, could I smash those two ideas together? And that's what the book of Red Earth became. But uh, it is also a play on the main stage at Prairie Theatre Exchange. Um, opening today? Yeah, opening today and running for the next 10 days. And man, is it ever cool to watch all of those moving parts come together into a like live event. And then also to know, for people who haven't gone to theater, I highly recommend that you spend some time seeking out some theater companies in your home cities because theater is, when done well, it's this magic that completely fills that moment where you are. And then it's gone. And you'll never, there's no recording of it. There's no way to watch it again. There's no way to say, oh, that was my favorite episode, right? You can go back to the same show again, but it's almost every same. show is slightly different. Yeah. People have a different energy. They have a, They deliver a line a certain way, which then evokes another emotion from the other actor. Something, like, something might happen. Some, something might be improvised on the, in the spot, that kind of thing. So like, many so different cool. moving parts. And so you get this, um, you know, even the most well-rehearsed theater is an improvisational event every time it's performed. Yeah. Um, this is very cool. This is really, really cool. Uh, I love it. Good Machine on the back. Yeah, well, yeah it's like our that. second book with the Good Machine logo on the back of it. It's pretty exciting to awesome. me. Awesome. Very cool. Um, but what was really interesting to me was in this uh, exploration of sort of page and stage, if you will, um, one of the actresses, Alicia, who is uh, playing Glory in the play, 
she came up to me yesterday because the books were finally printed. So they had seen some rough drafts and knew sort of the pieces of it, but had never read the one character's account. So the book is essentially the historian's account of what goes on. And the conceit of the play and the book are that um, the history that you know is a history that's decided upon. Right. right. And so this is one character's decisions that they make to see, feel and understand this piece of history, this exploration that they've gone on. Um, and so for her to read another character's motivation and reasons and behind the behind the moments, it was just a really interesting thing to have a conversation with one of the characters literally in the book responding to the book itself because she's had to take on the role of inhabiting that character. Yeah. Right? That's really wow. Wild. So congratulations and good good luck with the show tonight. And I'm gonna come and see it for sure. Uh, Can't wait to see it. Yeah, comics have taken me some weird places. Lads, here's the stinking race. We were talking just before the show started about some uh, okay, so dear listener, just before, we'll probably have it edited out, we were just about to start the show, and then <laughs> an enormous like flotilla of, of fire trucks went screaming past the studio, and Dan told us that since he has secret access to Winnipeg newsrooms, that this is a thing that's been going on. Well, it's not a secret access. I work in a newsroom part-time. It's not a secret that I work there. Well, not everybody on, gets uh, to get in there. Though. No, no, but um, so I work part-time at a local station here, CGOB. Just reading the news in the morning on weekends, just kind of a part-time gig. And um, one thing we've noticed over the last couple months is that there have been a lot of fires in uh, Winnipeg, a lot more than usual. And that's the kind of stuff you see. Right. You see a lot of trends. We're, we're counting homicides. We're counting all kinds of stuff. It's not great. It's not great news overall right. in the newsroom. But we do also cover some, some cool news. Last weekend was free comic book day. Last weekend was a great weekend for fandom. Right. It's free comic book day on May 4th. May the 4th be with you. It was Star Wars Day on the same day and then some people go revenge of the fifth on the next day and i think that's a little bit much but that's that's my own personal preference i mean <laughs> See, i'm not like gonna I'm not, the fifth. I'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know dissuade anybody from celebrating their fandom but that's not my favorite star wars I usually movie forget about may the fourth and oh, really? so i like revenge of the fifth okay it's like it finally comes onto my radar and it's like oh right yeah i'm still in i i have cred but have for cred. free comic book day at the at cjob our morning show host clay young he's been around a long time he's gone from ctv news to branded and all over the place and he has host the weekend morning show and he had on uh, uh justin from galaxy comics oh, cool. uh which is a local comic book store and basically talking about the idea behind free comic book day and how it started and and what it's done for the industry and that kind of stuff which was great and then we just kind of started talking about comic books on the, on the show as we went along and uh he also mentioned the um uh clay was confused and i had to clear it up and i'm the resident nerd on the morning show on the weekends so i say uh clay's like oh there's something having to do with it at the millennium library and i'm like no no that's the prairie comics festival that's right. the other event happening it was may 4th and 5th and it was our yeah. local uh i guess you would say you would say it's our local version of tcaf which is a toronto festival but it's more about the art of yeah, creative art comics it's, into, it's uh, more indicative of the independent comics scene mm. right so people who are making comics for the from the artistic motivation of making stories and telling stories with words and pictures uh, and then worrying about whether or not there's a big publisher or there's a, a avenue to make money or whatever that's a secondary concern for so a lot like of you right uh, yeah yeah I like to consider myself part of that indie comic scene I however felt I always feel guilty because 
uh, Regina Comic Con is the same weekend as Prairie Comics every year. Every year. And Regina's on the way back from Calgary, which is where we were. So it makes more sense to go to Calgary, book tour a little bit, hit the Regina show on the way home, which is like the halfway point from Calgary to Winnipeg, and then come home that next day, uh, which means we miss Prairie Comics. But good news is the organizers of the Regina show are moving the dates. So it'll be the week after probably. Uh, meaning that I may, at long last, be able to do Prairie Comics. Now, uh, we should do a um, kind of a postmortem on Calgary. Let's do Calgary first, because that's what happened first, right? Oh, okay. So- well, here I just realized, I just struck upon the theme of our show. Okay. So the theme in Red Earth is about the way that people decide their own histories, right? And you work in a newsroom where, like, you guys curate the news and yep. essentially... Write the history? Write the history, yep. right? Um, so we can tell you some, we'll, we'll write the history of the Calgary Expo right now. Okay? <laughs> According to you. Yeah, so the legend of the Calgary Expo is as follows. Um, in the grand myth of the Canadian comic scene, the Calgary Expo has long been touted as uh, the money-making show. Okay. Alberta has a strong economy. There's all people coming down off the oil patch that weekend. There's all kinds of people who are looking for new things, and they price is often not an object to their wishes. Um, however, that uh, was not the case this time around. Uh, Alberta, Calgary in particular, but Alberta in general, is in an economic downturn right now. Um, the Calgary Expo, uh, from we heard different reports that anywhere between 15 and 30,000 less attendees oh, no. than was normal. Oh, no. Um, and there was a perfect, literally a perfect storm of things. There was a whole bunch of guests that they'd already had before, a downturn in the economy, and then an actual snowstorm, which brought I, like a foot of snow to I Calgary. Saw that. Yeah, over you guys were all posting about it on your Instagram. Yes. And I'm like, oh, you guys. So anyone who drives from out of town, like, there's a lot of people who come to the Calgary show from the surrounds sure, right, yeah. of Alberta. Yeah, there's lots of. Uh, they did not show up that day because the highway, like. The highways were closed. There was no way to, you know, yep. there's no way to get it. And literally the next day, it's 14 degrees. The snow was evaporated, but by then, damage was done. Oh no! Right. It's so good to hear that. it was an interesting show. Um, we managed to maintain our sort of basis. You know, it really showed. Both Justin and I were talking about this, and if he shows up, uh, he can also chime in. But we were both having a conversation about how the first two days that a lot of people had very slow days. Um, as a result of all of that uh, shenanigans, we mostly saw people who were from a community that we'd built up over the last number of years, right? So what helped insulate us was the fact that we had done our time there. And so people who um, were interested in the work we had done and wanted to support it showed up again Mm -hmm. out of that crowd. So that was... um, it really underlined that some of the things we've been saying on this podcast is being important. They really it's working. came to our aid in that regards. And I think that maybe that's an important thing to realize is that uh, all shows will have up and downs and all economies will have up and downs. But the, the thing that has to endure is that you're there for a different reason than just to make money. Right? Right. And all the times that we were there when the money was good, and all the times we were there when the money wasn't wasn't great, uh, we maintained the quality of our product. We maintained the belief in the stories we were telling, and that sort of transmits through to people. At least I think so. Okay. Right. So there's that. Um, and then the Regina show had been taken over by a new group, the same the SAS Expo people, 
which I think, I mean, it, made, it was a good show, but I think it was confusing for some people because Saskatoon Expo was advertising their show as Saskatoon Expo Regina. Oh, that's confusing. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's a, uh, now the, the, I know the reason they did that is because the Sask Expo group has a really good reputation. So they were trying to trade on that good reputation, mm-hmm. right? To say like, hey, did you like this show? And you know, it was run by sort of local folks in, Saska- in uh, Saskatoon and we're great. And we took over the Regina show when uh, Informa left. It'll be more of that kind of show that you're used to. So I know what they were doing, but I do think, uh, you know, social media was kind of a mess because you're hashtagging Regina Saskatoon for a comic show. And a lot of people find and navigate their way to and from those shows through social media, at least a certain demographic. For does. sure. Um, my question is now, just quickly, Informa, now, own, now, for those who don't know, Informa runs Fan Expo, the Fan Expo chain right. of cons, right? So they yeah. had, uh, for the last four years, done uh, Fan Expo Regina, yeah. right? And that was, uh, that, was, that was traditionally in April. It was towards the end of April, early May. Um, and then they pulled out this year. They did not. That's do, right. They're no longer doing that. So that's when these guys came in. These guys were running. Now, didn't these guys sell Saskatoon Expo to the group that eventually got bought out by Informa? Or what's the? I don't know how what, the politics the, of that. So goes. The, the logo I'm thinking of. There's a. There's a. There was a group that did a lot. Then the logo was a girl with a cowboy hat. That right? was okay. So that was Calgary Expo. Okay. Used to also run. Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatoon. Okay, and then when Calgary got bought by Informa, right, which is the Fan Expo. Yeah, right. Um, then that changed. But hands. they don't call it Cal- Fan Expo Calgary. No, they've been trying to, and because Calgary had such a good reputation as its own show, the Fan Expo didn't want to switch all the branding. They were kind of hoping to okay maintain that. Fair enough. But I think. Uh, It'd be probably to their benefit. I think right now, if they were to pivot, now this is just me armchair quarterbacking their <laughs> media strategy, but given that they had a really down show and it was still under the old brand, I think a smart move right now would be to rebrand it as a fan expo show. Probably. Right? I, I could have sworn they or they did have fan expo Calgary before they bought out that convention. They also did a fan expo Calgary. Oh, and they might have. Maybe they competed. I think they did. I, I, I'm sure I know somebody who went to Fan Expo Calgary. Um, anyway, so then you go. So these guys who did the Saskatoon show um, took over that date and they ran their own show on right. uh, the traditional date of Fan Expo, but uh, they called it the Saskatoon Expo Regina. Yeah, right. Why not just Sask Expo? Sask stands for Saskatchewan as well. Good point. Right. Good point. Yeah. Just Sask Expo. Sask yeah. Expo. Well, that is what they do. Maybe that is their. I don't know. It's hard to say though. Yeah. Sask Expo. <laughs> if you say it five times fast, you might say something inappropriate. Dear listener, please say it five times. <laughs> um, dear listener, you could try saying this um, very quickly if you'd like. Also, I slit the sheet, and the sheet slit me. Try that uh, a few no, times. No, it's not fast. that. It's, it's um, I slit try the sheet. It. The sheet I slit upon the slitted sheet I sit. You could try that one, too. <laughs> That's the one I know. Yeah, you already went twice as fast as I would have <laughs> risked or dared on the podcast. Mom! Dad! It's evil! Don't touch it! If we're talking about uh, how you sort of make your history, right? Even I'm doing it right now. The show was a down show, but I'm finding all the silver linings, right? Yeah. And maintaining that as the... And it's, it's really important, I think... Uh, if you are trying to live an intentional, creative lifestyle, 
that when things don't go the way you hoped, you realize that you can't plan for everything and instead you have to just take from it the good parts. Take the good parts. That, yeah. That's absolutely great philosophy, even if the show doesn't go the way you hoped it would. And I would certainly say that I've done, you know, two two fan quest shows now and they haven't gone the way I hoped it would either either time, but I always take the positive out of it. Right. I always try to learn from my mistakes and, and you know, focus on the great stuff that happened, and that's and, and live in the moment during the right. show. And it's something I really have to work on um, and have fun at the show because that's the reason I started doing it. Well, so in that live in the moment thing, so we're there at Calgary, and uh, uh, Lyndon Rachanko, who is uh, oh Lyndon, yeah, yeah, he's been a regular he's on, on the show. He was there for his first uh, cool. show, and we happened to table side by side. Oh, Justin's here. Hi, Justin. You're beside Lyndon. Yeah, we we're oh, beside man, Lyndon. I'm sorry. So that was good. So he came in. No, <laughs> Lyndon will be listening from Paris. Of Right now. He's the guy who messages me, Where's the how come the podcast is done? When's That's the podcast right. going up? So we were side by side. He comes in and he says, I hope you brought your portfolio for the DC review. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, they're doing portfolio reviews? I didn't know. He's like, yeah, I can't believe you wouldn't know. I was like, well, I didn't know. Thanks for telling me, but sorry. And then I got to thinking. And I was like, well, what are the, this is trying to like pivot on where the show is and where it might be, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I've never done a DC review that could be cool. Sitting down with a mainstream comics editor when I come from indie comics land would be a good thing. So, but I didn't have a portfolio with me. Okay. So dear listener, what I did was I picked up my last book, which was uh, Baby Metal Apocrypha, which is my most current work. And there's five different styles essentially inside of it. And I wrote all my contact information that would normally go on your portfolio forms. I glued to the front of that book. And I took it to the office where they were accepting those submissions. And I dropped it off in the big submission pile there for the DC Comics editor. And um, Lennon was like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> was he, did he also submit? Uh, no, because they were doing art reviews only. Oh, okay. They weren't doing written stuff and they weren't doing uh, like letter reviews. It was just, just for art. So uh, I came back from doing that and I swung by Scott Henderson's table, who yes. is another Winnipeg, uh, and he's been on the podcast before. And I said, Scott, like, uh, and the thing about Scott, which I think Justin could, uh, he could chime in here. Scott is his own worst enemy in he is critical constantly of whether his work is of any value or if it's good enough. It's great. And he's, uh, you know, better artist probably than both of us put together he's holding himself back yeah oh. so i just i just said to him like i hope you're taking your i did exactly what linden did test, for test. me oh my god can i see the red earth yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah that's right you haven't seen it yet so uh he's like well i don't have a portfolio i said well neither did i so let's both be the ignorant assholes that just tape our contact information to the front of our most recent <laughs> books and let's drop it off like what's the worst that could happen is they say no but we already have a no Right, right. The, the default is no. Right. Well, it turned out, um, dear listener, that uh, we caused a bit of a stir as being of the three people that got portfolio reviews. It was two Winnipeggers, and there was a big stack by that second day that Scott had his stuff in there. And we did it by giving in our work. So, so you we got, got in. To, so we got to sit down okay. with a DC. I knew uh, Scott did because yeah. Scott was talking about it on social media. I did yeah. not see. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to jinx anything, and I also didn't want it to feel like a. Like a humble brag, right? On the like on social media, things like that to me come across differently. Um, like Scott was like, "Oh man, I'm I'm nervous about this, but that's excited." Right. And and it was like it, I didn't see it as a bragging thing at all. It's like, wow, it's a great opportunity that's because for him. That is where he was coming from, right. right? So when he goes on social media, he says, "I'm nervous," right? But I wasn't nervous about it. So to say, like, 
hey, great, I got this thing and I'm not nervous about it. That would have been kind of <laughs> shitty, right? Because my the way I set it up was not that I like, oh man, I hope I get to draw Batman or Superman or something. It was, I get to take work that uh, appeals to a certain audience and take it to a place that creates work for a very specific different audience and ask, what are the parts, what are the ingredients in my work that fit that audience and what are absolutely not and where is that? space in between like to get mm-hmm. an actual comics editor to break it down so that was a really cool experience um you know it was supposed to be like 20 minutes and we were there for like an hour and a bit um so that was another thing the um editor who i'm not naming sort of on purpose i feel like they uh that will cast undue suspicion and or favor on that person if uh we just name drop them we're not pals right <laughs> so i don't want to uh i don't want to do that but it did go very well okay cool they go very well Congrats. and part of the step there is that you then you know if they like it halfway decent then they ask you to send some test pages which is what they did and so stay tuned cool dear listener how was calgary for you justin it was good uh i had two booths at Calgary. It's the first time I've kind of had two separate booths. The way that uh, the way that it's set up now, it's we have the big four building, which is the artist alley, and we have the other what's the other building called? BMO building. Yeah, the BMO, yeah. Which is vendors. And uh, so there's a lot of ground to cover. There's a lot of people there. And I just felt between the two separate buildings I was missing a huge chunk of the crowd being in only one. Um, and I'm also at the point now where I have so much work that I was able to separate my portfolio into older work and current work and fill two booths quite easily. Yeah, you've done two booths like in Toronto where one is sort of premier items like canvases and big posters and then the other is your regular But it was stock. the same, yeah, it was the same portfolio. It was just a little more limited in one one of the locations. This time it was two completely different portfolios. And it worked out really well. And the thing that I, I kind of hoped for but wasn't, didn't know what to, I didn't really know what to expect, but people kind of treated it like a treasure hunt. Like they wanted to find the other booth to see what right. exactly was Once different about it. that it was different. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we were constantly sending people back and forth and we'd carry on the deals at both booths. So it was like they got to see like more of the same stuff but then it was added value if they wanted something right. else they got to like the deal carried on and so for those of you wondering the practical application of like how do you you know if you offer a deal how do you carry it between both tables if they're carrying the art that's they, their proof yeah, of purchase right? that was right? the coupon was yeah. the bag of artwork from the other table yeah. and people like that okay so yeah. your deal is now what's the deal is buy three get one free or something like that or how does it's that work basically at different thresholds so right. depending on what show or what day of the show sometimes we have to offer different deals to like be the throttle limiter on what's happening. But as a general rule, if you've bought a bunch of artwork, the rest of it is either half price or sometimes free. Okay. And so it's very easy to keep track of that if the person has a giant bag of art. And yeah, they so they come there, they've already purchased two at one table, and then they go and they want, they can still carry forward and get, right. get the rest exactly. of another yeah. table. Oh, yeah. for sure, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So that worked out pretty good. Now, what would be cool in the future would be to figure out some way to have like everybody who is sort of in the Just Us League, right, have that as an option. Just Us League? Yeah, well, oh. yeah, so that's what I've been calling uh, when Justin, uh, Sam, and I are in the car and everything might go wrong. I say, don't worry, the Just Us League is here. That's the title of this podcast. Um, but she's not here. We can't call it that. Okay, well, it's future title of a podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sam, we miss you. 
<laughs> Sam is, uh, feel better soon. Yeah, we hope you feel better soon. Because um, we have things for you to do. <laughs> oh, oh, and also Harsh. we miss you. Yeah. Uh, you're a mad, you're a bad it's, person. You know, she gives back as good as she takes, so I'm not too worried. Oh, great one. Oh, supreme being. Oh, creator of all the universe, without whom we'll be naught but scarab beetles oh, on the... dreadful mess. Is the pig with you? Well, as long as you're giving your opinion of Sam, why don't you give your opinion of my new book here that's in front of you that you haven't seen until now? Yeah, yeah I like the size. I like the format. It is, like, nice, tiny. It feels like... It reminds me of the um, that book you gave me that was, like, an airplane ride book. Um, oh. Joaquin Phoenix did the movie adaptation oh, of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I know who you're talking about. I just... Quick, Google it. But then like, we'll, cut a, it ar- we'll cut around it like we knew. Something about knowing a name. And it's a great book. Man, we're Great terrible. little book. I, I didn't see the movie, but I love the book. Um, it just makes me think like it's a nice, it's not a huge commitment. It's like snack size graphic novel. Actually, there's quite a bit of text in here. Yeah, but, well, and that's Oh, you were, you were never really here. You were never, never really here. Never really <laughs> great story. I was way Wait, who off. wrote that? Who wrote that? Oh, I don't know. I just looked up the movie. Okay, so the story itself... It's fantastic, and it's super short, and I picked up the book sort of on a whim. I heard from someone else that the story was really good, took it on the plane, read it in one sitting, uh, just a single plane ride. And Jonathan Ames. Jonathan Ames. So Jonathan mm-hmm. Ames wrote this story, and it was, uh, to me, kind of a revelation in the fact that I got so much joy out of this essential, a little bit too long to be a short story, a little bit too short to be a novella, right? Um, a single serving book was so refreshing and wonderful. And I think I'm thinking about that too because we've been, Claire brought that up a couple times with our new book, Gear and Sea. Yeah, she's worried that it's short, too short. Yeah, like a lot of her demographic, a lot of her customers are looking for really thick books that are going to take them some time to chew through, like, you know, between the four to 800 page, like, big novels. And our novel is 210 pages, which for them is like they'll consume that in like an evening. Yeah. And but, for, but that's, yeah, for, I think, you know, there's also that demographic, which that's good for. Yeah. You We're know? also not charging $40 for it. It's yeah. like $15. It's yeah. like less than the cost of going to the movies and you get an entire day. And I mean, if you're a slow reader, then it takes you two days, right? Like, yeah. Or if you read it on the bus or something like that, it, it'll yeah. take you a couple days. And I go back and forth. Like I, I used to be that person who wanted, like, if it's not 600 pages, it's almost like not worth the right. commitment. But now more so I want like smaller little snack size. Yeah books here and there and I you know you go back and forth so yeah. I think yeah it's it's a different crowd different thing but yeah that's something like that's been on my watching so, a half hour TV show in a two hour movie right? And, right and what I hope the sort of trick with Red Earth will be one of the reasons why we made it this size you know is that on the surface it looks like a quick read but because it's epistolary and there's all these like great gobs of text sort of interstitially spaced that you feel like you're going to just power through it super quick and then there's long moments well at least we hope of some contemplative elements that cause you to flip back and say oh is that what that meant in those series of pictures oh is that what they were recording and so it's uh intended to be a book that you explore you can power through it for sure in one sitting but maybe when you think like oh is that what that meant you can go back and check Mm -hmm. um i often say that sometimes uh i think my claim to fame is that I don't write books that are good, but I write books that are hard. <laughs> and so people sometimes equate the one with the other necessarily. So, I mean, I like them. I hope people like them and find, think that they're good. But I, I do believe that a challenging read is an important step. Sure. Right? 
Mm-hmm. So, and that Jonathan Ames book, I'm so glad you looked it up because I hate talking about a story without giving the author credit. Um, it's a book I've now read three times. There's a lot packed into that very short story. So you can revisit and it doesn't feel like you shouldn't, you know, it's like your favorite episode of a show. You might watch it a few times because yep. it's just 40 minutes, right? Um, this just makes me think I watched the, uh, just popped up on Netflix, uh, prospector, prospecting pros- prospector, I think, um, sci-fi, um, movie about a daughter and father and daughter, um, set in a sci-fi universe where like all the technology is like, has been used, reused, broken, fixed, and then they keep prospect. using prospect, prospect. Um, the reason I was really excited about this is because I saw the short film this was based off of years and oh, years cool. ago. That's always fun. Yeah. So I like, I immediately recognized this as, oh, this has something to do with that short film that I loved yeah. like a decade ago. It's like seeing La Jetée before you saw 12 Monkeys. Right. Right. Which yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So just that idea of like doing something short serving size mm-hmm. and if there's really something there, um, they did a great job of like capturing the essence of like it's a short five, ten minute film. I, I can't remember the name. I imagine it's probably something to do with Prospect. Right. Um, but then they expanded it into a two hour movie and it was great. And Well, and that's the thing, you know, like even Red Earth is a good example for all the work and all the people and all the moving parts. Comparing it to, say, shooting a feature that would yeah. have the same plot and elements. Uh, not even close to the undertaking. Like, we tell people that a lot in comic book land. Like, don't do your 300-page... Don't do Arkland like Scott Ford did right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, because you're not Scott Ford. <laughs> you're so not you Scott do Ford. Well, don't to be fair, to... he didn't do Arkland right it's off true. the bat. He did yeah. uh, Romulus and Remus and all But a lot of people who aren't familiar with him will think, like, that was his... Like, that's kind of what... You know, he kind of burst onto the scene with Arkland. Right. He must have started with that. And everybody thinks that's how they need to start. Right. Is with that 280-page, um, like, opus. And more people need to know, that, yeah, starting with a little short story. Not only that, um, you prove to yourself that you can do it. Yes. When you finish things. Right? Like, finish. Nothing makes you more capable of starting a new project than finishing an, uh, the past project. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel, um, you know, so I have some I have some guilt right now because, you know, some stuff going on uh, in my personal life, plus my business life and all this stuff has left a few arenas of my life unfinished. Like I have a whole bunch of baby mail commissions that need to still go into the mail. I have a whole bunch of uh, stuff for good boys that has to be finished for the new draft. I have all of these things that feel like they're the unfinished looming specter. And for the dear listener who knows, um, what it's like to have an unfinished book it it's like this or maybe who doesn't know it's sort of like you look up and you see the moon and you're not sure if it's gonna fall on you right you you're afraid to look down at what you're doing because there's this big looming thing that you have yet to finish and so it eats up a whole bunch of your your mental space and nope. uh, fedex has arrived Hello. Hello. Oh my gosh, is this the lost book, the lost box of Red Earth? I bet it is. The lost box of Red Earth. Did you guys talk about the Red Earth shipping excitement? No, no, no we, we did added. not. We were only talking good news, but we can talk Only good news. news. Well, it turned out to be good news. So we were basically, we were gone and kind of off he's the about grid. To pick, he's about to open that box of plastic. 
Instead, I found this broken pair of scissors. What were you going to open it with? A plastic knife that was on your desk. Well, I just reached for a handle. God, it was so hard. I have a plastic knife? Listen, I'm fragile. Didn't you hear the looming lunar right. surface yes. over my head? Okay, right sorry. So you guys, yeah, you did You did uh, Calgary. You did Regina. And you were gone for two weeks. And in between there, we, uh, we kept busy as well. I got a lot of work done and, and a lot of errands. And yeah, so did you guys I. Did, we like, did a things at launch. chapters. Yeah, we did a bunch we of stuff. We did a book launch, yeah. Okay, so as long as we're going to... We're going to... We're going to have to, we're gonna have to say bad things about Friesens here <gasps> if we're gonna do this. So I'm sorry, Friesens. You came through in the end, but uh, one of the things that they didn't do was normally when you have a book printed, you can assign shipping addresses for portions of the print. Sure. As you can imagine, if you're a big publisher, this is important because it goes to the distributor. You say, I want these 10,000 copies to go just take them straight from the plant to this main distributor. But if you're a smaller publisher, you can also say um, these favorite bookstores of mine ship directly to them. Um, this studio address ship here uh, where the bulk of the printing is supposed to go ship there. So what we asked them to do was deliver the bulk of the books to Prairie Theater Exchange because everyone who goes to see the play gets a copy of the book. So that's great. And then send this box, which just literally arrived from FedEx while we were on the podcast. This is uh, 14 days late, uh -oh. and it's arriving today. This was supposed to find me in Regina. Oh, okay. So, so it could. was just two locations they had to ship to. Yeah. One, one quick box to Regina, the other... No, bulk. three. They had oh, three to three. send it to, and they sent it to none. Or they only sent it to one of those three locations, and one of them arrived ten, like literally here on the podcast, instead of where it well, needed I, to I'm, be for I'm, events. I'm assuming that it got you know lost in the shipping dock. A it looks dock. like it's been through something. Well, maybe. It's been through hell. Yeah, maybe it went <laughs> to Mars and back. Maybe that's what happened with it. Um, but that kind of stuff, you get a big ship, and like I, I used to work in, in shipping and handling, or shipping and receiving, and there'd be like these big, you know, a bunch of boxes going out, and there'd be one for, if one box is labeled with a different address. It just gets kind of set aside and then forgotten about, kind of thing. So I'm probably, I'm sure that's what happened. Uh, and then, but it was, it's not typical. No. Usually no. our Friesen's experience is we give them those addresses, the books show up where they're supposed yeah. to. Uh, instead, uh, books arrived at the one place we said we wouldn't be, which was here at the studio. Well, and then the same month, uh, Gear and C came out, yeah. and we gave them three addresses as well, and all three, all three. Shipments went out when they were supposed to yeah. and got to where they were supposed yeah. to. And so. Um, so, and we've done. And that was the one I was involved with, so I'm okay. That's yeah. all you care about. That's all yeah. you care about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between us, I think we've probably done 10 books with Friesen's. It's the first yeah, major I mean, pickup it's, like it's, that. And it was obviously human error or something like that. Like you can't. I guess. You can't predict that. But when the robots run everything, it'll be so nice. <laughs> the robots. The, the robots. The, the word, no, they'll do everything. The theme of our episode, Justin, is the way that we decide on what our history is. Oh, so. like what you tell about what happened. Yeah. That's the history. Yeah. yeah, that's sort of the theme of Red Earth, we were saying. Mm. And then that's also the, the secret other life that Dan leaves it, leads in the newsroom when he's not in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, and he's also about sculpting that experience. When I, By the way, getting back to that for a second, when I mentioned to Clay Young, the host of the morning show at CGOB, that I knew he apparently had no idea there were, there were local comic book creators. That was news to him. And so people, <laughs> how many, Justin, how many times do people say, where are you from? When you're here at a local Winnipeg show? Oh, often. 
and they don't know that you, say, you live here, right? Yeah. Which is fine. Right. But when we say, "Oh, we're from Winnipeg," the studio is like over there. Yeah, <laughs> the incredulity that just washes off of them <laughs> is—they're like, "Wait." People do this job in our city. Okay. Also, we're not hiding. We do probably a local event like every three months. Yeah. We're doing, we're out somewhere with all of our well, stuff. To, no, to, the, to the public at large that don't attend these events, there's a. Well, I think it's not like, only Comic Cons. Like, we do book signings and we go yeah. to schools. And, and we're not the only yeah. ones. There's a, you know, there's at least a half a dozen people who are. Oh, I know. As active as us, plus another 30, 40 people who are slightly less active than that, who are all doing that stuff here in this city. Very true. So for the fact that the average person just doesn't even realize so it. So anyway, Clay wants to have someone on the show. I said, okay, I can hook him up. So I'll, Clay, I'll let you guys. we're coming for you, Clay. Clay, Clay Young. Is he um, ready for us? He loves, he's a big uh, fan of, of, of sci-fi. He loves Star Trek. He loves uh, superheroes. He talked about, we talked about collecting comic books and we gave some recommendations for comic books. I should have recommended your guys' stuff, but I didn't. Ouch. Or, that's... That's hurtful. I recommended man. Saga instead. Oh, so. no. That's okay. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Uh, but yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was, a good, it was a good discussion about comic books that day on, on Free Comic Book Day. And then the next day, we got... So in, in talk radio, it's called a talker. When you get people calling in and texting and, and engaging in your content. And, and it, you can run with a good talker for a couple hours sometimes. Right. And so and Clay loves it when we can, we can get that going. So they made fun of me for seeing Infin- or for seeing Endgame twice in the same day, uh, which I did. I saw, I'm proud of you for that. I'm so proud of you. I, I saw it in the morning, then in, then in the evening, and then uh, so we we're talking about you know how often do you rewatch the movies you love? Yeah. And specifically, we were talking in the context of going to the theater, but then it kind of got into like how how often do people just rewatch films? Yeah. And just people came in all morning long. This is on the Sunday morning, the fifth. All morning long, people are texting and calling in with their favorite movies and how many times they've seen it. Someone said that the Sound of sound of Music ran at the King's Theater here in Winnipeg for almost two years when it came out. This is wild. So someone talked about how they used to go there every weekend and watch The Sound of Music. Okay, but what people are actually talking about when they're phoning in, right, is their emotional connection. Yeah, and, and, and telling personal stories. Yeah. Like that's what people really like to talk about is their own personal experiences around whatever the topic is that we're talking about. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we had a good talk, talker going with the movie movie talk. Thank God you saw it, and we saw it opening day. Oh, I don't know if you've been on the internet lately, but that movie would have been absolutely ruined yeah, if you saw it Yeah, the spoiler ban is off as of this. I have weekend. not. I've not seen much. Oh my gosh. Like I mean, the, the Marvel, like the official Marvel not, okay. trailers. That Dear are listener, like the we bumpers. will not spoil No, no, no we will not. No, we're no, not going to spoil any. But just like, um, like I follow a couple Marvel, like official Marvel, like sites on Instagram and Facebook or whatever, and they're like bumpers about go see the movie are chock full of like huge plot points now. What? Yeah. 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 Oh, come on. The they were so off. good. They, they were, were good. those those yeah. first trailers were yeah. so good at not giving anything away. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, it's a really like it's a kind of movie where I don't think uh, you can really talk about it in depth without, or not even in depth, even on the surface without giving away some cool things. Yeah. So at the risk of spoiling it, well, oh, we're, I'm gonna I'm Jesus. gonna cut I'm gonna cut left and say we've just been given an opportunity <laughs> that we often talk about on the show, which is like sometimes. Um, nepotism will get you somewhere. Oh. So we know you, and you know Clay, and you put in a good word for us. Dear listener, Dan, how should we monopolize this? Uh, what, is the, what is the best way forward for us? For being on the show? Yeah, let's, well, let's have that discussion. Let's talk about it. the timing of it would be important. It yeah, has what's to, coming out. Then. Well, the, the, the thing is, like, if you look at it from the, this is like, this is kind of like basic PR kind of stuff, but 
Um, if you look at, like, from his perspective, he wants to be talking about news, current events. Right. Um, which is not um, necessarily, hey, come on here and talk about all the comic books you've ever done. It's going to be going, what's what's coming out now? What's the new right. thing? So for you guys, it could be um, around Gear and C because that's the newest thing right. coming out. It could be around uh, the next con you're going to. Hint, hint, hint. Oh, that's right. Talk about Fan, fan Quest. Quest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, you've had another host there, Tom Milroy, who who was, um, of course, a, in Winnipeg, a radio legend, but he now does a weekend show as well. Uh, he wants to have me on to talk about Fan Quest as well. So... It's it's just a good idea to, for you guys to to first of all get in front of an audience that is probably not aware of, right. of who you are. Great thing there, and uh, and then yeah, talk about Gear and C. Talk about the newest uh, novel which you guys didn't write, but uh, is based on your based on our right. your your I'm idea. Super excited about the book launch for that. Yeah, yeah it's happening yeah. here. Uh, Claire's coming in, and um, so there's that. And I'll talk to Clay. He's actually out of um, town this weekend, and I'm I'm busy this weekend with other stuff. So. I'll see him next weekend. But maybe we can help that indie comic scene a little bit. It's a shame we didn't realize this sooner because I really could have, we could have had somebody in for Prairie Comics uh, Festival. I think that would have been a good yeah, fit. That now that I realize that he didn't know about it, because he's had stuff on before. Like he did have someone talking about Manitoba Comic Con. I don't, I just don't know how connected he is to that world. And uh, now that he knows I'm more connected, I will uh, help him get more. more well, guests and I'll, on. I'll leave the. Uh... The internet sleuths will be able to figure it out, but there was a, a reporter that uh, was following up on some Red Earth stuff. They called me while I was out in Calgary, and they called Andrea uh, during rehearsal, and they sent photographers yesterday to the show. And But what I found interesting about it, and you can tell me if this is true or not, mm. my perception, true or false, I'm not sure, but was that most of the story was already written, <laughs> and that... I was being called to confirm or deny certain assumptions that have been made within the story. Is that a thing that happens? Yes, in the that's, a, that's absolutely a thing that happens. It's right. Probably for a newspaper. It's either the Free Press or the Sun. Right. It was uh, for the newspaper. But uh, what, what I found interesting was how often I had to interrupt the narrative that was being placed on our project to and say, correct, and correct them. "No, in fact, this is what." Our reason for it was this was our motivation and this was our intended yeah. result. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is that they're, a thing that they're, they're trying to um, probably trying to, to be efficient mm -hmm. and they're looking at all the materials they have in front of them and they write out kind of an outline of the story of what they think it's going to be. So it um, makes me annoyed. It makes me angry mm -hmm. when someone comes with it. But I'm, I'm here. The empathetic side of myself is asking you, Dan, tell me their side. Why is it that they do this? And why shouldn't we be that upset? <laughs> I would be upset if they're if they're gonna get something wrong. You don't want them to do that. Right. So absolutely, I would be upset. Did you? I guess the finished piece. I, is I haven't nothing. seen the finished. Okay, piece so hopefully both. the finished yeah. piece takes into account what you told them. Yeah. Um, but then now now you're worried about it, saying, well, what are they, what else have they come come up with that I didn't get a chance to hear? Right. Um, but I would say the um, the main reason for doing that is to save time because uh, right. you have like they you know journalists these days are tasked with doing a lot of different things more than they ever have before yeah. overworked underpaid right? yeah exactly yeah. so they want to you know okay here i'm going to write a piece on this i'm going to look at the website i'm going to look at the all the materials in front of me write up what i think this is about and then go get some quotes to fill it in right. that's not the way you're supposed to do it hold on pause for pause for more fires <laughs> it's a busy day busy day in winnipeg um that's not the way you're supposed to do it you're supposed to go out and not, this is not the way i do it either you go out, you get the quotes first. You right. talk to the people first. Then, 
on the way back to the office, you formulate the story in your head and start thinking about it, and then you write it down. Right. That's no, the I, way I was taught how to write journalism. Um, right. And the way I do it now is for radio, so it's a little bit different in that I listen to an interview and I pick out my clips first. It's like right. in radio, the equivalent of a quote is a clip, so it's just like a 10 to 15 second sound bite of somebody saying something. Right. I pick those out, I listen to the whole interview, and then I formulate the story around those, those sound bites. So in media, you've had, Justin is an occasional media darling here in Winnipeg. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, when, uh, when those roving TV cameras are just like cruising through events and then they like spot the ziggurat of chasing artwork stuff, they usually, <laughs> right, they usually come check it out. Right. What is it they're actually after? after like a good for visual. the dear listener who is like, how do I get some media attention? What they're, are they really after? They're after a good visual. A good TV visual. is always after a good visual. Right. That's that's. I mean, sometimes in my experience, in my opinion, it's to the detriment of the story. They don't really get to the true story if they're right. just focusing on what what things look like. So that being said, have you ever felt like they were just there for the good, good pan shot and not really interested in what you had to say about it, Justin? Mm, no, not really. No? no, you felt you felt well served. It's, it's pretty always... it's pretty straightforward uh, for you guys because you show the here's his table, and here's the guy who did it. That's very simple. <laughs> That's a very simple story to tell. So yeah, it's, it's not... always been pretty genuine. There is um, one of my first TV appearances was when I moved into, right after working in video games, I moved into my own studio um, and I was working on Cassie and Tonk and I got some uh, CBC came by. Yep. And the cameraman who was there during the interview was the same guy who was sent to Comic-Con like a year after year after year. So it was like there wasn't usually a guy... Um, doing interviews with him, he was just getting B-roll or That's just right. taking shots. Yeah. But he recognized me every time, so I felt like I had like an in, and I was getting a lot more screen time than I was supposed to, just because I we recognized each other from right. years ago. That but cool. you know, from the other side of it, that's more newsworthy, right? If they feel like you're a, a fixture of the local scene, they're more likely to show more. Well, they're of certainly it. more interested in the local local person does well. That's a yeah. great story. And for example, last year when we had FanQuest, we brought Pablo Hidalgo in. Right. He is a local boy done good. Yeah. And they loved that, and they would much rather have him in. And I got I got him interviews everywhere because yeah. of that. And um and they much rather have him than Nicole DeBoer, who's in Star Trek or was yeah. in Star Trek, but is from Toronto and doesn't really have anything connected to Winnipeg. If I were creating a world, I wouldn't mess about with butterflies and daffodils. I would have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. <laughs> Sorry. When they just send a camera person to a con, they're just gonna say the local, the you know, the Comic Con happened today. Uh, they'll get some stats probably from the con organizers about this many people came and this many vendors, including the names of the guests. And they'll show some B roll. They'll show Justin selling some stuff right. with a voiceover. Right. That's not. That's just a quick. Th that's not a proper what they call a pack. A right. pack is like a proper news story where they have the reporter doing a stand up with their microphone talking. Right. That would be if there was. Is pack an acronym or a short? I don't know. What it's, it's package. I don't know. I mean, it's oh, short yeah, okay. package. Yeah. I'm not really a TV person, so I don't. I only know this because I, I work with TV people. Right. Um, but um, that would be if there was something more like if it was your 
first show there's some sort of interesting hook something different about it this time right. for you guys that required longer a longer um time to tell the story then they would they would dedicate a pack to it or if it was more relevant in some way they would dedicate a pack but for the for the comic-con most of the time it's just hey here's some and they'll show of course the cosplay and all the other stuff going on as well so for the dear listener who has just finished a new book or has a new art show coming or some event or whatever it is um how often does your the media outlets that you are associated with respond to press releases uh, all the time. Yeah, but we don't get any from local artists. Really? No, never. Hmm. <laughs> from nobody local sends you a press release. Not, not that I'm aware of. Just, just national stuff. So is that why the like, no, no, local people, boy local people will send us press releases, but it's all like. Uh, is the University of Manitoba, or it's, or it's like local organizations, right. not like you guys. I, I've never received a, well, no, and we're just talking about this now, but you would do well to send out press releases from Good Machine about the book launch of uh, Kieran C. Right. You'll get, some, you'll get some play on that for sure. Interesting. Yeah, we don't get, like, artists don't tell us about their shows. Um, they'll, if they have a contact in the media, they'll, you know, just send them a message saying, hey, I have my show opening, right. come check it out. Um, but I certainly say think that something like um, an art show would do well on TV, if, especially if it was something different than your typical art show, right. like something with around fandom or around uh, comic book artists and stuff like that. There was a cosplay show a few weeks back at the University of Winnipeg, wasn't there? Uh, um, a couple of local cosplayers did a show there, but I don't think they got any media attention. They should they should have sent out a release, right? Hmm. Is there a pro tip? Do you have a pro tip for media releases? Oh, geez, we can get right into it. Like, uh, be as clear as possible. Don't, uh, don't uh, use flowery language. Make it simple, easy to understand, and uh, and say, hey, if you have more questions, you know, contact me here, kind of thing. Right. So, like, for an example, then for the dear listener, we're get we're gonna dig right into it. The press <laughs> release is a message that you send to a media outlet that clearly states something that you hope they will find newsworthy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like a slug line for your reason it's to like come. In, in an ideal world, and there, this does happen because there are some lazy journalists out there, the press release is actually written in the format of a newspaper article or, or an article on, online because they would love for that new, that journalist just to pick it up and plop it in. It includes usually includes quotes too. Like a, a, news, a press release will include a quote from um, uh, author GMB Kamichuk about right. blah, blah, blah. Uh, that that would be in there as well. So that feels like wrong somehow. I know. Well, that's the thing. That's uh, but part of what you guys have talked about on this podcast since the beginning is about promoting yourselves. But the and, history we decide on. Well, right? but yeah. but not only that, but but about how people are kind of reluctant to promote themselves because yeah. they feel like it's bragging, right? Right. Like even even Scott Henderson. I mean, the fact that he got a sit-down thing with DC is great for his brand. Yeah. And of the two of us, he's the one that deserves it more. Like, his style well, actually is way better. Yeah, well, it, it's it, but it's different. I think that um, maybe what they picked out about you is that your style is different than your traditional right. kind of comic book style. But, um, but yeah, like he is, uh, that's great that he's being considered. Um, and that's something that he should promote more, but he's probably reluctant to do so because he's going to feel like it's bragging. Right? right, and maybe it is. Maybe people would would agree with that, but it's it's kind of a fine line. You have to you have to take the risk, you know. Decide your own and you're bragging. History. Really, you're just bragging to the media. Yeah, you're bragging to newspapers and and uh, and radio and I guess stations, you and TV stations. Have to apologize for your accomplishments. No, no, right. no, no. Yeah, that's a it's a tricky. But yeah, business. definitely. Um, uh, and as as a show organizer myself, I am sending out news releases for FanQuest. 
letting people know that it's happening, letting people know here are the dates. Um, I am working to set up interviews with people on morning shows. I've done this both years and I'll do it again this year. Morning shows on radio and TV and looking for newspaper articles to be written about the show beforehand. Beforehand is obviously better because then people will know about it beforehand. Yeah, Morning show with Claire would be good. Oh, yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. she'd be good at yeah. it too. Um, and, and, but uh, even I would say um, even getting coverage during or after the show is fine as well any coverage is good coverage yeah. so they send a camera on the sunday yeah and and shoot some stuff on the sunday and then put it in their news as a just a visual with voiceover that's fine with me because then people will realize oh this is the thing that happens and they might they might at that point look it up and then like our facebook page and then be aware of it next time it comes around right so that any there's no such thing as bad publicity that is absolutely the case right. so always be willing to do interviews even if your event's over you know what I mean? Like, don't worry so much about uh, about being ahead of the ahead of the game. Right. Um, morning shows, uh, talk shows are more likely to talk about your event before it happens. Newscasts will talk about it likely either during or after. That's just the way it works. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> now we're pondering, <laughs> pondering all kinds of things, which I think I bet is, you Sam knows all this stuff already. Well, this is the thing. We also know it, but there's a difference between being aware of a thing and taking a moment to have a conversation about its nuances. Sure. Right. Like before you decide things, you should discuss them with the people who have some experience. In it. And, I, and I, like say, I, I already, I did say that there are some lazy journalists out there, but there are many, many unlazy. What's the opposite of lazy? Um, hardworking, Dedicated, hardworking journalists, relentless. Well, even diligent to the point where they do not like their stories being served up to them on a platter. So right. sometimes it's a tougher sell for those journalists to get them to want to cover a story. Right. So you really have to give them a reason for it. And, and you, you might have to work for it a little harder than, than for other journalists. Are you saying we should seek journalists with less integrity so that we <laughs> no, 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 tell the no, story? No, no, no. Any, any journalist is good. Anytime you can get your story out is good. But uh, And I don't think you'd be able to know which ones have less integrity or not That's here true. in Winnipeg anyway. I don't know about in the U.S. But, you know, you, you might have to, like, give them a little bit more information or come at it from a different angle and just convince them that it's a, it's a valid story to tell. Right. You know what I mean? And it, it's all, it is all about the story. Like what's interesting about this? What is going to, what are people going to want to hear about? It can't just be, I have another show coming up. It's got to be something really different. Right. So that's what we're doing. Added value. Yeah. Kind of like a new experience. So last year for us, it was Pablo's coming home. Pablo's a Winnipeg boy, works for Lucasfilm, yada, yada, yada. This year, I'm not sure of the hook. I'm still working on, on the hook. Certainly gear and C could be one of them. Yeah, you know the launch of a novel um, based on uh, what was previously just a visual um, comic book world. Oh, yeah, like a local Winnipeg studio IP that's branched out into Into, new media. Into new media, and and Red Earth is also that as well because it's not strictly speaking a graphic novel either. That's right. Yeah, and both are under the new Good Machine logo. Yeah, yeah, it looks good. By the way, good job, Justin. Thanks. Okay, this has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I hope you will join the fight and make comics.